0: On December 18, 2023, the Charlottesville City Council approved a landmark overhaul of the city's rules for where buildings can be constructed, intended to make it easier for developers to build more units. The adoption of the Development Code was the third and final leg of the Seville Plans Together initiative, intended to encourage and incentivize places for people to live that are guaranteed to be affordable. How will it turn out? A major purpose of Charlottesville community engagement is to follow up as much as possible in the weeks, months, and years to come. I'm Sean Tubbs with one last deep dive into the development of the new land use rules. On this program, Charlottesville City Council has adopted a new development code intended to allow more residential units across the city. Members of the public had one last chance to argue for amendments to the proposed development rules. And Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook withdrew his request for a cap on the total amount of building area in residential A districts. In today's first Patreon fueled shout out, this has been a busy year for the Rivana Conservation Alliance, and the staff at the nonprofit are hoping to build on successes to protect local waterways in 2024. Here are some of the highlights RCA participated in the Star Hill Pathways program, where students learn to look more closely at nature, including a trip to Moores Creek to survey fish and other aquatic life. RCA worked with the Rivanna River Company to hold a kayaking trip for students attending the Charlottesville Food Justice Camp, with many participants getting on the water for the first time in their lives. And RCA held monthly trash cleanups on popular stretches of the Rivana and had a record turnout. To help prepare for 2024, the Rivana Conservation Alliance is looking for end-of-year donations. Go take a look at their website to learn more at RivanaRiver.org. What will Charlottesville look like in seven years as we approach the beginning of 2031? I pick that hypothetical vantage point to mark the seven years since the last time Charlottesville kicked off a review of the Comprehensive Plan. I wrote about it at the time. There's a link in the newsletter. This edition is not going to go over all of that again, but to refresh my memory... I have a list in the newsletter of articles that I wrote in order to let us all know how we got from here from that time. If you want to take a look at the background of that, it's in the newsletter. I also probably should say that this podcast is actually detached from the newsletter. I hope to not do that again, but you know, here we are. As I said, Council approved the development code at the end of the December 18th, 2023 meeting, which had begun with budget work sessions at 4 p.m. A recent newsletter dealt with several items they had discussed before the final deliberations before their final vote. There were 16 slots for community matters, which is the name given to the public comment period, and the first eight people who signed up were guaranteed a slot. The other eight people who had one last chance to lobby council were chosen from a lottery. Claire Denton Spaulding is opposed to the cap of 5,000 square feet of gross area in residential areas. Three councillors had supported that idea at the December 14th work session.
1: Opposing this limit will hinder the city's ability to achieve the dense, affordable housing we so desperately need in our community.
0: Stephen Levin of the Woolen Mills was also opposed to the cap because he said there would be unintended consequences. I don't think we should be undermining years worth of work by the community and experts who you know, put themselves into this work with these last minute changes. Kirk Bowers of Albemarle County appeared before council to ask them to delay the vote for three years and encouraged better cohesion with Albemarle County's comprehensive plan. Overall, my impression of the draft update is that it increases density in specific areas of central Charlottesville, which significantly impacts neighborhood cultures and the feel of a small town. And it's this feel is what attracts people to move here in the first place. Bowers also said he moved to this community to escape urban life. Peter Gray of the Lewis Mountain neighborhood called for the lowest intensity zoning district to be applied across the entire city. That's the residential neighborhood A district, which only allows a base of only one dwelling unit per lot in order to discourage displacement.
2: Please consider designating all residential neighborhoods RNA. This will help the affordable housing providers build across the city and further limit for profit developers from building luxury units that will not help affordability.
0: Former city councilor Kevin Lynch said he did not think many in the community had any idea what was being voted on and the changes that will come.
3: In the last four years of COVID, there's been a lot of people talking, but unfortunately, not too many people listening.
0: Lynch reminded councillors of how the city resisted plans from the Virginia Department of Transportation to build what is now known as the John Warner Parkway and only offered support once council's conditions were in place, such as limiting it to two lanes.
3: Four lanes right through the city at Great Intersection. Um, It was a mess. And the council at the time was under a lot of pressure to hurry up, get it done, just do something so that we can move on, get it done. But we're Charlottesville, and, you know, we were better than that. And we did take a lot of time, and it did take a lot of time to get something that I think when you all, you know, when I walk along the side of it on those trails and I talk to the people even who live in the tents on those trails, I'm proud of what that council did and I hope I can be proud of what this council does. I ask you please slow down, take the time to get this right.
0: Planning Commissioner Phil Duranzio cited his reappointment to the Personnel Appeals Board recently as a reason why council should listen to him. He made what is perhaps the most striking call-out an appointed official has made against elected officials that I've seen in my career, rivaling the en masse resignation of the Village of Rivanna Advisory Committee in April of
1: 2022. At the very uh, at the very last 11th hour last week, uh, for reasons that are absolutely mysterious to me, in a secret closed meeting the uh, under the guise of legal advice... Uh, The manner of determining the terms of affordability was determined to be unacceptable for mysterious reasons that apparently I'm not allowed to learn and was substituted uh, and rather than use the the methods that were developed by the people with over 100 years of experience in this matter and proper expertise was substituted by a hack together uh, substitution that came from God knows where.
0: Duranzio said he would no longer support the development code unless it was restored to the way he wanted. Did any of these last-minute campaigns make a difference? Find out after this break. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's sponsored message, from Crozet to Barracks Road, the downtown mall to the shops at Stonefield, and everywhere in between... Albemarle County and Charlottesville's offices of economic development encourage you to buy local this holiday season. Buying locally supports our neighbors and community members and makes a big impact for our local economy. Local businesses are more likely to reinvest in our community and their goods and services contribute to the unique character of our community. Learn more about how you can support local business at showlocallove.org and on social media there are links in the newsletter. Charlottesville City Council spent a lot of time going through the development code leading up to the approval, with several informal straw polls at work sessions to indicate support for various changes. Here's Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook.
3: Although we have had informal discussions along the way, we haven't voted on anything yet.
0: And council would not vote for another two hours or so after that statement. There was one last chance to amend the future rules. To assist the discussion, council went through a list of changes they had made throughout the work sessions. There's a list of those in the newsletter. The first change put in an adoption date for the ordinance, which is different from the date that the new rules would take hold.
3: It would become effective on February 19, 2024. That's basically you know, two months away.
0: Council would vote later in the evening on a resolution to determine how applications already in the process should be handled. We'll come back to that later. On December 14th, at least three councillors had said they could support a proposal from Snook to put a cap on the building space in the Residential A zoning district at 5,000 gross square feet. Councillor Michael Payne said he continued to have the same concerns he had at the final work session.
2: I have very serious concerns about it, both from a process and, and policy perspective perspective. Um, one, I still don't fully understand all the implications myself. And for a change like that to have been made at the the last minute, um, I feel like I haven't had the opportunity to hear as much um, information and feedback about the full implications as I would like to, to feel confident on what I'm voting on. Payne
0: suggested a 5,000-square-foot cap could incentivize developers to build large single-family houses in residential A rather than smaller units. He also said it would be difficult to administer and was concerned developers would game the system. Counselor Brian Pinkston said he had received emails detailing what some thought the implications might be. He withdrew his tentative support from December 14th because he said he had not quite understood what Snook was proposing. We were moving so quickly the other night and... Um, I didn't put two and two together, and I, th- I think a-, a person in the audience who helped me on the phone today uh, as we were talking through this. The person was not identified, but there were plenty of people in the audience who have been lobbying council since December 14th. One of them was Planning Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg, who sent his research to councillors. Since February, each zoning district has anticipated a maximum building footprint, which is not the same as gross area. For Residential A, that figure is 3,000 square feet.
3: One of the things that folks have said is, well, 3,000 square foot... Uh, the, 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 three, if we were talking about a 3,000 square foot footprint, there are, I believe, uh, Rory found 215 examples among the 9,000 in the city of a house of that size. Maybe I'm misquoting you. I'm not sure, Rory, but I think that's right. Which basically means that 97.7% of the houses in Charlottesville, the single-family residences in Charlottesville, would be, lo- would be smaller than that.
0: Snook argued that 3,000 square feet is not house-sized. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade said he did not support the limit because he had heard from non-profit developers who said the gross area cap would hinder their ability to build new units in residential A. There could be as many as six units on a lot if three of them were designated as affordable. Snook said many of the emails he'd received argued that a type of housing known as a cottage court would be prevented by the new gross area cap. He said the footprint limit would likely stop those from getting built.
3: You, you're not going to be able to have a, a, a very many cottage courts in an RA zone because of the 3,000 square feet. If you, if you want to talk about six cottages in the so-called cottage court, which is sort of typical, you'd then be limited to 500 square feet per cottage.
0: However, Pinkston said he had been told that the 3,000-square-foot footprint limit was per building. That's, that's what someone helped me see today. James Fries, the city's director of Neighborhood Development Services, pointed out that there is an additional standard of how much building space can be on a given lot. This is called coverage. In Residential A, 55% of the total acreage could be given over to buildings if there are two units. Three to four units would allow 60% more than four units would allow 65% of the lot to be covered.
1: Then we have the building footprint, which is measured for each individual building or structure and includes all enclosed or covered areas.
3: So the point of the... Oh, wow.
0: However, these buildings could not exceed the lot coverage. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade wanted to be certain and sought a clarification.
2: Ten years from now, 15 years, from now, when none of us maybe won't be here, but particularly staff, that they're going to have to be able to you know, comprehend the language there. So And these things will come up as, you know, over the next year or so as you encounter them, that maybe some conflicts or interpretation. Or so.
0: This exchange illustrates that counselors did not have a firm grasp of many of the fundamentals of this topic. I'm
2: very surprised
3: because I've, I've been proceeding for six months on the opposite assumption.
0: Pinkston then suggested dropping the maximum footprint for each building to 2,500 square feet to assuage Snook's concerns. Payne weighed in.
2: I don't support this, but if we're uncomfortable with that, I feel like we shouldn't be using a roundabout way to artificially restrict the amount of units that are allowed to be built within RA. I think... I mean, even if that's the ultimate goal, I mean, to do it this way, is just so clunky. I mean, even just thinking administratively, for one district, you've got a completely different system than all the other districts.
0: After another round of explanations, Snook had this comment. I guess it would be easiest for
3: me to simply just withdraw that
0: that suggestion because now it's clear that I don't understand it either. With a new understanding, Snook said he thought the potential for the future built environment could be much worse than he had anticipated but realized he was in a minority. Continuing to seek consensus, Pinkston provided a theoretical example he said explained Snook's concern. Say you have three buildings on a lot, okay? What this is saying on paper,
3: you know, I don't know how it would figure with lot coverage and all the other stuff. I mean, it's all... You could, you could have technically three volumes of 9,000... A square nine thousand square feet times whatever height that is—that's that's a lot, you know. If you think about it, now would anyone ever build that? No, they wouldn't. But
0: I mean, that's that's the that's the concern. Snook again relented.
3: I'm throwing in the white flag here. Okay. Okay. But warning that the result is actually worse than what I was
0: anticipating. Oh my gosh. Time will tell. Here are some other items. Council confirmed that they did not accept a Planning Commission request to allow a total of three units as a base in the RNA district if the existing structure is kept. Now these areas will only allow two units as a base if the existing structure is kept, and only one if the structure is torn down. There could still be as many as six units if they're affordable. Snoke expressed a legal concern about how this would be interpreted, and a small language change was agreed upon. Council confirmed the removal of allowing several small-scale commercial uses in Residential A, Residential B, and Residential C districts. The Planning Commission had recommended allowing these, but it appeared at least three councilors were skeptical. Councilor Payne said he felt they should be allowed via a special use permit. Snook said it may make more sense in 10 years or so, but that creating new uses now may direct traffic to areas where there's not yet infrastructure. Council made clear that Research Laboratory is an allowed use under general office. Council reduced the intensity allowed in several areas from Residential B to Residential A. These can be seen beginning on page 294 of Council's packet and take a look at the final zoning map when it is published. One day, I'm going to figure out how to do maps just by audio. Remember that comment from Planning Commissioner Philip Duranzio? Well, that came up too. To recap, the original proposal for the Affordable Dwelling Unit Ordinance was to have rental units provided at a price point for households and individuals at 60% of the area median income for a period of 99 years. For sale units would have been targeted at 80% of AMI, with affordability only guaranteed for the first owner, with a right of first refusal to the city, or non-profit developers. This was a consensus proposal supported by the Housing Advisory Committee. However, council was asked to vote on a final draft where there would be no distinction between rental and sales units under the inclusionary zoning. Another new detail is that units in residential districts built under the bonus provisions for affordability would be at 80% of AMI for 30 years.
2: Obviously, this is the the second area we've gotten the most input over the weekend. I mean, I think even just for the public's benefit, uh, would you be able to walk through how you believe this uh, addresses the concern raised in terms of... um, uh, Home, affordable home ownership not being able to be constructed in the city.
0: Fries said there are legal concerns about making this distinction in the zoning code itself.
1: Um, and so we had to square that circle a little bit to figure out how do, how do we address concerns that were raised around providing ownership units.
0: Fries said that under the new code, projects could seek something called a zoning determination letter where Fries or his successors could approve other arrangements if needed. Many remaining items related to affordability will be in a manual that will come before council in the future.
1: The the zoning ordinance establishes what the rules are, and the ADU ordinance is just providing you with with, uh, basically how those rules are implemented. And so the the sense is that the, the term of affordability and the actual AMI are both kind of core aspects of what the rules are that shouldn't live
0: in a manual. Pinkston supported the approach due to the need to be sensitive to the legal realities as determined by city attorney Jacob Froman and outside counsel Sharon Pandak. Payne was not comfortable with the language.
2: I understand at this point there may be a belief that there's not time to get to a better compromise, but I'm not sure this where we're at provides the maximum um, clarity and confidence in terms of um, where we want to end up, but I certainly understand um, the time crunch. With all of the
0: final pieces in place, it was time for council to make final comments. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade said he has been asking himself a series of questions.
2: Do I have enough information to make the decision? Um, have we done, as a council, our due diligence in, in understanding the information and understanding the community? Have we asked all the, the questions? Have we heard from everyone? And that's, that's real important. Um, I believe that we have on all of those accounts.
0: Councillor Pinkston thanked everyone involved, including his fellow counselors. We may always agree on everything, but I feel like every point of
3: disagreement, we've ended up mostly with with a better solution than if we had not had a disagreement. I feel like that there's been progress that's made, even though I know all of us aren't um, not happy with every bit of this, perhaps,
0: but I think that on the whole, this is a, a step change and a really... Um, Really good thing for the city. Councillor Payne said the process before the Seville Plans Together initiative was started was going in the wrong direction, and it took the events of the summer of 2017 to push the city in a different direction.
2: There were periods where this process, we had no city manager, no director of NDS. Um, you know, there was no guarantee this process would necessarily continue at many points, um, but it did. Um, through the work of the community as well as the intense
0: work of staff. Payne said he was humble enough to know that there could be unintended consequences that council will have to deal with in the coming years.
2: Even as positive as I think this will be, there'll still be gentrification. There'll still be affordable housing needs that require um, solutions outside of zoning. And so I hope as a community we just continue to keep our focus on, on those issues. Counselor Leah Perrier
0: said she knew it would be a lot of work when she was appointed to a vacancy in February.
3: I got the nod on the 21st of February. And on February 22nd, I met this gentleman whose name was James Freeze.
0: Perier expressed concerns that Black residents have been unrepresented throughout the process.
3: Zoning is not the answer to everything,
0: but we have made a decision that we want to move forward. Per year, said council, had to continue its commitment to spending $10 million of city funds on affordable housing projects. Snook said the zoning ordinance would put flesh on the comprehensive plan and implement the affordable housing plan those were the first two legs of the Seville Plans Together initiative.
3: We're also talking about a commitment that is implicit in all of this to really develop a, a serious transit system, which we do not now have. Um, and that combination of transit and housing and urban design and and you know, we, we've sometimes talked about Having a walkable city or a 15-minute city is an example that some people use. I, as I've said before, I, we are not there now, and we're not going to be there now for at least 10 years, but we've got to get started, and this is a, a good start. Okay, let's vote.
0: Motion to approve Seconder. the development code passed <laughs> unanimously. Two applause. Council then adopted a resolution to deal with existing plans that are at various stages in the process but not without another debate. Council then adopted a resolution to deal with existing plans that are at various stages in the process but not without another debate. Fries said that state law provides protections to projects that have already received a significant amount of governmental review, such as approval of a rezoning or a special use permit by council or a site plan or building permit approval made by staff. This is known as vested rights.
1: But what is not included under that protection are projects that may have submitted a uh, site plan as a by right right project and... um, uh, but have not yet received approval for that at the time that a zoning ordinance changes over.
0: Fries said the resolution provides pathways for these projects. Projects submitted before August 31st would be allowed to move forward under the old zoning, but projects submitted after that date would be under the new zoning. Some counselors wanted to change that date to December 18th, but others said the sooner the new rules are in place, the better. Others said this would create a burden for developers who have submitted plans since August 31st. Council voted 3-2 to two on the motion. The effective date of the zoning will be February 19th. For details, take a look at the image that is in the newsletter, which is really kind of useless for the podcast listeners, I guess. But just know this will be an ongoing story well into the future. And that's the end of this edition, which is a podcast of a newsletter that went out five days ago. And that's just how things are at the holidays. The holiday times are a small break in the space-time continuum, and adjustments must be made. This is one such adjustment. And I do thank you, the podcast listener, who is getting an end of the episode, which is totally separate from what I wrote in the newsletter, because that's just the way this particular episode is. Thank you very much for listening, and please do let me know uh, what you think about this. Do read the newsletter. It has much more information. This was a very long and arduous process to get this development code going. I wrote a lot about it. I'd like to thank subscribers uh, for helping me pay for my life, really. If you want to continue to do that, please do so. I'm not going to tell you how right now because it's the end, and... I, my body is contorted in a very strange position in order to voice this up. So I need to say goodbye and back again soon.